Scripturing today is actually going to be the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And our sermon title today is Married, Divorced, Single, Content. <laughs> so I think you know where this message is going today. This is all of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, please do open them. If you have your cell phones, I know you have an app. This will be, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version or the ESV. This is the Lord's Word. <clears throat> now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent, and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Verse 8. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the marry I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Verse 17. Concerning each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in, in uh, situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. 
You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God who should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Verse 25. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I wish like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in, in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, and I think that I, too, had the Spirit of God. May the Lord bless us in the reading of His Holy Word. Good morning, everyone. Once again, that was a long passage to read. And I know that many things were going through your mind as you heard all those things that Paul was saying to the married people, to the single people, to the widows. And I could hear your hearts aflutter. Some of you married people, you sort of, it's like, ah, oh, I can't believe that's in, in, in the Lord's word. Some of you who are single are saying, ah, oh, I can't believe that's in the Lord's word as well. But God has a way of knowing about all of our circumstances and has a way of addressing them in such a way that honors us as people created in his image but also in a way that urges us and compels us to serve him, to die to self at times, to make his name and his glory known. I have a question for all of you. How do you think about the issue of marital status? Do you often think about, wow, I'm married. I've been married for X amount of years. Wow, I can't believe I'm married. For some of you, you're like, 
this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I finally found someone who sort of makes me whole, if I can say it that way. We're better as a team than we are as individuals. Some of you are joyful in knowing that as this married couple, you will never be the same person that you could have been if you're single. And it's a joyful, joyful journey that God has taken you on. Don't get me wrong, some of you, and when you get mad at each other, you'll be like, oh, if I didn't marry this person, what could my life have been like? But in the whole, you're thankful to the Lord for what he has done. Some of you who are single, look at your singleness, and you look at it not as a joy, but you look at it as a curse at times. You know who you are. You're the one who wakes up every morning wishing, all I need is to get married. All I need is that one person in my life, and I will have found who I was meant to be. And we hear it from voices all around us. For those of us who grew up in the Asian culture, you hear it from your parents all the time. Probably once you get into college, but, but absolutely after you finish college, it's, are you seeing anyone? When are you going to get married? Hurry up and get married. I want grandchildren. What's wrong with you? And part of you would say, you know what, it's, it's not a big deal. But part of your heart is eaten up out of the frustrations of perhaps of the expectations of your parents in the world. But part of it is just the inner struggle that you have as well of wanting to be married, of wanting someone. There'll be people here in our church whose spouses have passed away. There'll be people in our church who who are divorced. And sometimes you wonder, is this who I'm going to be for the rest of my life as a person who got divorced, as a person whose spouse has passed away? For many of us, our marital status, single, married, widow, divorced, whatever it may be, weighs heavy upon us. And this was the question that the Corinthian church had for, for Paul. What do we do in this time of age where it seems as if either persecution is going to come right away or the Lord will return right away? What do we do in these last times with our marital situations? What should we do knowing that we need to stand up for the Lord and serve the Lord? How much time and concern should we put in all of these things? Now, we live in the last times. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Jesus' return is, is imminent. It's the final piece of history that needs to be fulfilled. There's nothing else that we're waiting for. God could come today. God could come tomorrow. 
God can still come generations after us. But we know that since the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, this is the last piece, last point and moment of history that all the world is waiting for. And so for us, it's incumbent to know wherever we are in our lives, that we need to see our lives in the context of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will eventually do in his return. For all of you, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a widow, widower, or divorced, do you see your life today as an opportunity to serve God and to serve one another. Whatever situation you're in, look at verse 17 and, and how Paul addresses this. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. God has given you the situation that you're in right now. And so if you're married, you have to look, what opportunity do I have as a married couple to serve God and to serve other people? Knowing that in our marriage that, that time is going to be restricted still. But even so, as a couple, what can I do to serve? What can we do to serve God and to serve one another together as single people? What can I do with the time that I have and the energy that I have? Do I sit and worry about my singleness? Do I sit and complain to the Lord? Or do I ask God for his favor, for contentment, and to move forward? For those who are divorced and widowers, Yes, we mourn for your brokenness. We're saddened that at times life does not work out the way that we would want it to work out. All I know is that the Lord is the only one who can heal your heart. And we know that in the midst of this as well, that the church will embrace you. And we know that in your brokenness, when the time comes, you'll see the Lord can use you too to serve his purposes. All of us whatever situation we may be in instead of wanting to be out instead of wanting to be in a different marital situation our first priority as Paul tells us is to live as a believer trusting in him serving him loving him
pragmatically, the one piece of counsel I give to all of you, whatever situation you're in, as individual people, you must spend time in prayer and fellowship with the Lord. If you're married, you need time away from your spouse. Pray, read, and fellowship with the Lord. If you're single, you need time away, if I can dare say it this way, away from yourself. And pray and read and have fellowship with the Lord. And ask God, how can I serve you in these last days for your glory and your honor? Second thing that we have to understand about these signals that we're getting from our heart and from other people is that we must find contentment in God and God alone. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 12, addresses this issue. If you have your Bibles, if not, please listen. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. One more time, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who have, and so forth and so forth. Whatever lot that God has given you, be content with the season God has for you. Some of us want to say that we are godly people and, and we know God. But we don't have contentment in God. We belong to him. He's our God and we can't do anything about him. But we don't run to him for contentment, our joy, our peace. but we run to other things. I pray in our church that we would always encourage everyone towards godliness and towards contentment above pursuing any relationship in our lives. those relationships will come naturally or spiritually as we seek God together. And I pray as our ministry continues to grow and as people come visit our church that all of you will have a heart of love towards anyone who comes here with whatever type of brokenness 
they may have in their marriages or as single people. For we are more than our marital status. We are all children of God. Now let me address quickly sort of the three cases that Paul brings up here. And I can't be exhaustive here. Uh, there's a lot to talk through, and I didn't want to take four sermons to go through all of this, but I just want to hit on the major points for all of us and to urge you together. First of all, for those of you who are married, for those of you who are, who are married, God tells us to continue to enjoy and grow your marriage. One of the most interesting things he says here is he, he talks about the fact that your bodies do not belong to you. Men, your bodies do not belong to, to you. And wives, your body doesn't belong to you. But your body belongs to one another. And that you are not to, to withhold sort of sexual relations unless there's a, a time of prayer for one another. God wants to urge you to look at one another and say, I do not belong to you. You do not belong to me. I mean, I do not belong to myself, sorry. You do not belong to yourself. But we belong to one another. There's something about marriage where we understand that we will spend a lot of our energy and time getting to know one another. A lot of our energy and time in simply understanding each other. A lot of our energy and time of wondering, why is he mad at me? Why is she mad at me? What is going on? And those times can be exhausting at times and take a, a, a huge amount of, of your energy. Don't look at that as being a detriment to the service that you have to the Lord but look at that as your service to the Lord. For husbands to love your wives, to wives to submit to your husbands, to walk together for the Lord. But there's another thing, though. There is a reality that, that Paul really brings up here, that when you're married, and especially when you're married and you have kids, there's a lot of things that you have to worry about in the household itself. And for you single people, you see us. You see us when we're married and we have our, our kids and stuff like that. It's like, where are they? Where are the married people in this church? They're always gone. They always have things to do. They always have family stuff. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. But I want to urge you married people. Think together as a unit how can we serve the body of Christ? How can we serve this church? How can we help this church to grow? But I will tell you this, married people, in a blink of an eye, you will become the unhip people in this church. Remember that time when you were single and you sort of knew all the trends of what, what's going on in the world? After you're married, it's gone. But be okay with that. And use the season that God has given you 
not only help other couples, but to help the entire church to grow in faith and love towards the Lord. The second case that he talks about are the newly single, the widow, the widower, or we can call the separated or the divorce. Paul addresses them, and there was a situation probably where someone was married to an unbeliever. Basically, probably they were both unbelievers. Someone became a Christian, and they were asking, what do I do? My spouse doesn't know Jesus. I know Jesus. And we have kids. What are we supposed to do? And Paul's answer is simple. He said, if your unbelieving spouse is willing to stay in the marriage, stay in the marriage. If your unbelieving spouse is not willing to stay in the marriage, then you may divorce. But he urges them to stay together because when that one Christian person in the marriage is there with the kids, the whole family is blessed, according to Paul. It doesn't mean that they all become believers. That's the prayer, that's the hope. It just means that the presence of that believer in that family allows God's blessing to permeate to the other spouse and to the children as well. God urges the widow or the widower and even those who have been separated that if their spouse has died or the spouse has deserted them that it's better not to get married in these last days but to serve the Lord in their singleness but he does leave a way out and says listen if you if you burn with passion, get married. And so both sides are okay with Paul. But again, the impetus is where? The stress is where? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in your singleness. If you've been separated, if you've been divorced, don't look to get married right away. Take time with the Lord. Take time to serve the community that you're in. Take time to see perhaps God has called you to singleness and to not rush into marriage right away. Lastly, those of you who are single, and usually the single people go, ooh, like this, but I guess not here in this church. For those of you who are single, Paul says here that it's better not to, to be married. But Paul says here, listen, it's not God is saying, saying I'm saying this. Now, that doesn't mean that this isn't, this, isn't, this isn't God's word. But what it does mean is that there is a particular situation here in the church in Corinth. But also it does mean for those of you who are single, that just because you're single, that marriage, marriage has to be the option. Right? It's like this. It's like when people turn 21, people often think, I have to drink because I'm 21. It's like, I just have to. It's just what we do in this culture. 
<laughs> and I have to say, you know what? When you're 21, you actually have a, ch- you have a choice actually not to drink. And they go, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> don't, I don't have to drink. I go, that's right. You don't have to drink. If you're single, you don't have to get married. Like, really? You don't, you don't have to. Some of you will, some of you won't. But our passage today talks about being single in order to what? Fellowship with the Lord and serve the Lord. It's not being single so that I can do what I want to do. It's not a selfishness of not wanting to be with people. But it's a singleness in order to do what? Perhaps some of you have a, a heart missions and you want to just go on the missions field. Perhaps some of you really enjoy working in the church and you just want to work in the church. Perhaps some of you will one day you, you just want to want, want to teach somewhere and you teach at a school and, and being single you just pour your heart and your and your love to the kids. But it's a calling not to self and self-fulfillment, but to God and to serve God. I dare say we need as many singles like that in the church as we do married people in the church. And lastly, being single, you have an advantage over us married people, believe it or not. Some married people may look at you as uh, immature, as sort of, uh, um, you know, just, let's just say immature, okay? But when I look at you single people who are really serving the Lord, I see people who are able to gauge the culture so much better than, than myself as a married person. I see people who have time to gauge what's happening in the world that is around them and being able to move and analyze quickly, to love people quickly. When you're married like me, okay, my ability to read the, the culture of what's happening today slows down. But when we have single people and young people who are able to engage the culture well and you have the time and the energy and the mind to do so, you help the body of Christ to grow. That is to say, all of us, no matter what our status is before before our Lord, have gifts to bring to the table. And that all of us must work together to encourage one another in our status to to serve the God with our hearts, souls, and our minds. And that together we urge one another to find contentment in God and God alone. 
all of you know that there will be no marriage in heaven. Some of you married people are really sad about this. Some of you married people are really happy about that. No, just kidding. All of you married people are really sad about this. But there's no marriage in heaven. There's only God's people together worshiping him. Wherever we may be in our lives today, may we spur one another on for that reality in heaven that all of us are simply worshipers of God and God alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. There is no one like you. And Lord, we rejoice with everyone here. We rejoice, Lord, with those who are married, and those of us who are single. And Lord, we mourn with those, Lord, who have lost their spouse or are divorced. But we rejoice all together in knowing that you, God, are present in and amongst all of us, Lord. And that you have called us as a church to love each other and to urge one another towards love and good deeds. And so help us, Lord, never to judge one another, Lord, according to our status. But, Lord, help us to encourage one another always, Lord, to worship and to know you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.